Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Good afternoon, or good morning, good evening, whatever time you choose to listen. <laughs> it's Melissa and Shannon here with Old Time Crime Gals. It is Monday for us. It feels like a Monday. It's Monday, right? It is yes, Monday. Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like a Monday. It's so much that I had to ask if it was Monday. Yes. We're recording on a different day today. It kind of throw me for a little loop yeah threw us off a little bit but that's okay and i don't have anything typed up so i'm literally trying to read my my code handwriting here which is kind of ties in today's story anyway so we'll see how that works and i'm gonna ask questions that she's not prepared for (laughs) i'm sure i might be i don't know we will see um so this one is going all the way to australia again so for our australian listeners um so this happens in 1948, and it's a pretty much infamous, well-known Australian cold case um, called the Summerton Man. So I'm pretty sure a lot of you have already heard that, but we're going to talk about it today because I don't, you don't know too much about that. One, I do you? not. No, it sounds intriguing. Okay, so December 1st in 1948, a man by the name of Neil Day was out with his friend. They were actually horseback riding on the beach, enjoying the weather, which is my dream goal. I've always wanted to do that. Ride the horse on the beach. We were just talking and, about horses. Yes, and enjoy the weather. Um, yes. Um, you know how the seasons are flip-flops on the other side of the world. So, yes. and, and over here, we were cold in December, and you know they're enjoying the weather at the beach. So they're riding horses, and they happen to see a man sitting next to a seawall and he's kind of like leaning up on his back with his legs crossed out in front of him you know kind of just just they thought he was sleeping just a guy sleeping on the beach so they keep going and they're riding their horses and then when they make their way back he's still there Uh, and he hasn't moved not yeah not even a little bit yes like well you know maybe he's just drunk and he passed out maybe he's just napping you know let's go see what's going on and that wasn't the case he was dead. Okay. So, of course, it was called in. So, now they have to assess the situation and kind of figure out what's going on. So, he was a clean-shaven man in a press suit and tie. So, he was dressed up. And the weird thing was all of his clothes, all the tags were cut out. So, they couldn't tell, like, what type of suit, where it was from, who made it, anything like that. I was going to say, a suit and tie on the beach. I wonder, that could have possibly been a normal sight. I don't know, back in the 40s when people dressed more, um, you know, in suits during regular hours. Well, but, well I don't know, I that saw, might have been like, huh, a suit guy in a suit on the beach. I don't know. Well, in Puerto Rico, the, you're off the water and businessmen are working at the bank and walk over and Well, that's the true. Beach. That's true. That Depending on where they were at. It's in um, Somerset Beach in Adelaide, Australia. Okay. Um but so either way he was was dead he was dressed in nice clothes and he had no tags yes i just completely lost my train of thought oh no i shared a thing on the internet because it was saying you know because the 1918 Mm -hmm. pandemic and then the roaring 20s rolled around where everybody was dressed up nice all the time so yeah maybe he just wanted to be fancy i wonder if that means now that we've had a pandemic we'll 
go back I'm ready to, to get fashion. dressed up and go out. I am too. Get rid of the sweatpants and yoga pants. And Yes. Me too. Oh well. Okay, we digress. <laughs> but we're back to the man on the beach. He had no tags in his yes, clothes. No tags on his clothes. Very nice clothing. Um, clean shaven. Um, all the tags were cut out. He had no ID, no wallet. There was nothing that gave any indication that, you know, who he was. Okay. Um, he actually had a half smoking cigarette. At leaning out of his mouth, but he didn't have a burn mark on his clothes. So, so he wasn't. It's just an odd situation altogether. Yes. And so you somebody know, went to a lot of trouble or not trouble, but, you know, to stage the scene like he was hanging out, right. smoking, all that. Weekend at Bernie's. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was just and then they no one claimed him. So once the body was collected and it was like we have a. John Doe, or however they use the term over there, no one was like, "Hey, we're missing somebody." Hey, that looks like such and such. They no clues as to who he was. Okay. Um, so then they had to do an autopsy to see if they could figure out the cause of death. And the ME medical examiner coroner, um, he had a large spleen and had some bleeding in his intestines, but there was like no signs of violence. There was no scratches. There was no traces of poison. There was nothing in the tox screen. Um, so this is actually what he wrote on the report, and it's, um, quote, I am unable to say who the deceased was. I am unable to say how he died or what the cause of death was. Wow. So they had no idea what happened to this man. Nothing. So he became known as the Somerton Man. And so now we're in January. So we're in January 1949, and this is one month after he was found. So in the cloakroom of the Adelaide train station, they found a suitcase. And the suitcase had been checked in the day before the body was found. Okay. So I don't know why it took them a month to find this one particular suitcase. But anyway. That is kind of um, <laughs> So inside this suitcase was important because all the clothes inside had no labels. Sounds familiar. Yes. And there was wax thread. Okay. That wasn't sold in Australia at the time at all. And the same thread was used in the pants he was wearing to sew a pocket. Oh, okay. So they matched the threads together. So this proved at some point he was from the United States or had traveled to the United States to okay. get this thread. And then inside the suitcase, there was some clothing that did have a name. It had King, but it was spelled K-E-A-N-E and then K-E-A-N. So it was two different spellings of the word King. But that could have been a misdirect on purpose, is what they were saying, because that turned up a dead end, too. Okay. So there was really nothing. The suitcase was kind of a clue, but then it gave them more questions than it did answers. Right. So that's crazy. That is crazy. So then you have April rolls around in 1949. So this is, you know, four months later, around about. The, they're re-examining the clothes, trying to find more information. They look at the pants he was wearing, and inside the waistband, there was a sewn-in secret compartment pocket thing. Oh, wow. And so inside of that was a piece of paper, like rolled up um, beige, like scroll-looking paper, and it had um, a Persian phrase written on it. If we have any friends in that area, I apologize. <laughs> that said, Tamam should." And it means finished. Okay. Um, so some people were speculating that was like a suicide note and that was a clue. But I don't know if anybody who would 
know to look inside a waistband in a secret pocket. That's for, what I was going to say. You're going to put anything. your suicide note in a secret pocket. That <laughs> takes a few months to find out. And people don't know who you are. So why even leave it? And no one will really know what I mean. I have to research like that's Yeah. That but anyway, does. but that particular phrase was that the last words of a poem book um, known as the Rubiot. And the Rubiot was a rare book at the time. That edition, that print, in that area, there was only about four or five. So it was just odd that that would be in his pocket. Well, and you think, too, with it being rare, you've got to probably have money to buy this rare book. So um, and if the clothes were nice. So it looks like you would be able to track that down if only a few were in print. Well, they, um, that made the coroner amend the report and then added that death was not natural. <laughs> because okay. for some reason, that's very weird to be end up in, a waist, in the, the waistband. So, then the public gets wind of that. So, then three months later after that, so now we're in July. So, we're in July 23rd in 1949. A man came forward and he was like, hey, by the way, I was parked at the beach and my windows were down and someone must have threw this book in my back seat. It's a Rubiot. Oh, wow. And at the very last page, it was a hole where that, that fit exactly that was in his pocket. Wow. Ooh, mystery. Then that's insane. Yeah. So he said his windows were down. So the last page was the section tore out. So it gets even crazier because on the back cover, so that was the last page. So then you have the heart of the back cover. It was a phone number at the bottom, scribbled at the bottom. But then they put it in ultraviolet light, and there's like a five five lines of these random letters that looks like some kind of code. Oh, wow. Some kind of secret code. And I'll put pictures up there because it's, People, like, even the Navy couldn't figure it out. They've tried to crack it. Like, no one knows what, what these number letters were for. Um, but they did have a phone number. And so the phone number leads them to, excuse me, a 27-year-old nurse by the name of Jesse Joe um, Thomas. And she only lives 100, 100 meters away from where he was found on the beach. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's kind of crazy. So her number's in the book that the page was torn and found in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and that she lives close to the crime scene. Thompson. Her name's Thompson. Again, I was like, chicken scratch. That's <laughs> <laughs> my code. Jesse Joe. You said John Tom Thompson? Thompson, yes. Okay. Um, and then, so they ask her about this book. And they're like, hey, have you ever heard of this book? She did have it, but she gave it to a friend. Uh, and so she gives it to a friend by the name of Alfred Boxall, which they, he was alive and they did track him down. And um, he had the book, but his book had all the pages in it and there was no code in it. It just was a regular Rubiot 11th century book. Okay. Um, so at this point, the body had been buried. They just were going off of the clothes and the clues and everything else. Okay. But before he was buried, they did make a plaster cast of his face so that they could try to determine who he was. Cause you know, now we have the CGI and the computer programs that can make it look like, you know, how you did look when you were out and about, but this, they had a plaster cast. So they actually showed it to her and she almost faints. Oh wow. But then says so, she didn't know. So she almost faints. She but almost faints, but nope, nope. Never met the guy. Don't know who he is. Hmm. So kind of weird to have a, a visible reaction to a picture or or a plaster or, face or, you know and to not know the man 
because I mean, I could see if I saw the actual picture of like a dead body or something. Well, they use that as disturbing, but a plaster. Well, they use that for interrogation techniques too. Like, oh, you don't know such and such, and then slide over the photo of them, and they're like, yeah. So, giveaway or tails or whatever it was obvious yeah sounds like but so she passed away in 2007 still same story don't know who that guy is okay so so now we're only left with theories about what happened and this is where it gets kind of interesting because no one really knows so it's still a mystery so there's a couple of theories that are floating around and one is that he killed himself but it is didn't, it didn't show any signs of how he would have done that Right. He didn't have water in his lungs like he had drowned yeah. or he didn't um, have any marks or so. So there was a um, a doctor that came around and he was brought it up that there's some types of poisons that are really rare that after you are deceased, they decompose very quickly mm-hmm. and they leave the body and they wouldn't be traced in an autopsy. But he didn't want to say what those were so he wrote them on a piece of paper and slid them to whoever he was talking to um why wouldn't he want to say what they were because i guess he didn't want anybody else to get the ideas of oh, you can okay. poison somebody and you know okay gotcha you know that's the the drug drug of choice for women who often kill <laughs> people as poison um but also a weird thing is in june of 1945 George Marshall um, was a businessman, and he um, killed himself by overdosing barbiturates, and he washed up on a beach on Mossman, Australia, with a copy of the Rubiot beside him, too. Oh, wow. So, maybe, like... That's strange. Like, we've already had three copies in this this little area. Hmm. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. So, he washed up, and then he had a copy of the Rubiot. He had a copy of the Rubiot, too. Very interesting. And this one is probably my favorite. It's the second and third theories kind of mixed together, and it has something to do with espionage and spies. Oh. Um, the one theory is that he was murdered by spies. Because secret code yeah, on the back of the Rubyot, the Rubyot itself. Is weird. And that, no that trace of how he died. Um, so, Clothes without tags. Mm-hmm. But in 1959, so now we're almost like, what, 10, 10 years? Yes. Yeah. So we're ten year, almost ten years, or a little over ten years. A man finally comes forward and says, "Yeah, I was on that Somerset Beach that day, and there was a man carrying a guy on his back walking around. It's kind of weird. Oh, wow. I, I don't know why you would come up with that." Ten years later. Yes. Uh, but at the time, they had just busted like some Soviets for being spies, and there was all that um, tension between the countries and stuff. So I don't know if he was just kind of covering his tracks or just to, to cause more drama or, or what. Right, but right. There was no way 10 years later to prove if that even happened. True. Um, so, but Very then there's another theory that Jessie Jo Thompson was, may have been a spy herself. She was a nurse, so she had access to all the, the drugs and she knew about medications. Well, that's true. And it's very possible that she could have done it. And in fact, her own daughter suspected her of doing that really in a 60 minute interview her daughter had this to say about her mom and this is quote she had a dark side a very strong dark side she said to me she knew who he was but she wasn't going to let that out of the bag so to speak 
There's always that fear that I've thought that maybe she was responsible for his death. Unquote. Wow. So her daughter. So even her own that. daughter was suspicious of like, hey, she might have something to do with it. I don't know. And she taught English to Russian immigrants. And she understood Russian. So that so she could have been a spy. Yes. Very interesting. But then the third theory is that they were both spies. Okay. And that they were together as a couple at one point. Okay. Now, there was a, a professor. His name is Derek Abbott, who he was digging, and he decided to research it on his own because he really liked this case. And so, a year before the man was found dead, our little nurse, dark side nurse, Jessie, Jessie Joe. <laughs> dark side. Yeah. <laughs> she had given birth to a son. Oh, okay. Named um, Robin Thompson. And as an adult, he was a professional ballet dancer. Okay. And so there were lots of pictures available because of the performances, and he was easily accessible to get a look at his features. Um, and he took those pictures and studied them against um, pictures of the mystery man, and they had the same ear shape. Like, there's a, a rare kind of ear shape that's very similar that okay. is kind of like genetic kind of yeah and the probability of the two people having the same and not being related was kind of um high up there okay and they both did not have incisors oh wow. and that is a genetically inherited trait i mean yeah because they don't they just don't have they just didn't have incisor teeth they just weren't there um so mystery man and this robin guy seem to have been related but by the time he came to this conclusion and figured it out, Robin had already passed away. Okay. So I, I don't think he could have gone any further with that. Gotcha. But Robin did have a daughter. And her name was Rachel. Rachel Egan. And so he decided to meet the daughter to see if he could get anything further into this case. Right. But they end up getting married. So now he actually oh, might be wow. related to the, the Somerset man. Oh wow! So they they're married. So now he's he might be related to this guy. Interesting. And so in 2018, he was looking at the plaster cast that they have taken, and he's looking at all the stuff, and he's trying to figure out there's actually hair stuck inside the plaster cast, strands of hair. And huh. now we know we can get DNA from hair. Right. So this was like the first major lead in this. In this case, so hopefully they were going to be able to figure out. Finally, so when they were making the was. cast. I guess it it tore. Stuck, it. Yeah, it probably pulled pulled it out when they yeah. popped the cast off. Okay, so that would have been simple, but I guess um, it probably wasn't viable, and it probably got passed around. You know, people looking at the, cast, um, the yeah cast, and it just wasn't. Um, they weren't able to get anything off of it. So, but the reason we did this story. This week is because it popped up in my news feed that they have exhumed his body. Okay. Last week. Okay. And so now they're reprocessing everything and trying to get a better DNA sample to figure out who he actually is. Wow. So hopefully soon we'll have some answers about the Somerton man. I wonder if they could dig up his son that had the daughter, dig him up too, or if they could excuse me, exhume his body. Um, <laughs> or if they can take the grand... the Well, they probably won't have to because with the genealogy stuff, they could take her, yes. that Rachel, 
and and tie her back to if they get anything off the somerset so does the she's married now does she have you got any information update on her no okay so there's no (laughs) new news with them not not that i'm aware of this would definitely be something to follow and come back to if they do find out anything with the somerset but that's one of those stories how did you meet well i had to track her down because i was trying to find a dead guy (laughs) and it just worked out that way (laughs) sounds like a mysterious story in itself which is kind of fun and neat so, well, I know we did another mystery one the other day. And look, there's another nurse involved in this. All of our stories have had some nurses yes, lately. we have a theme going here. Yeah, we've had some <laughs> nurse stories. Well, it would be interesting because I, I, I don't have a lot of research on this, but just um, Julia Childs. She worked for the CIA. Hold on, the cooking lady? Yep. See, you found something I knew nothing about. <laughs> but don't ask me a lot of questions because I'm not sure I don't about know everything. Why. I'm thinking she worked for the intelligence agency. The cookie, she's a cooking lady, and her right? husband. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't. We could. That would be a fun story to talk about. But I'm gonna have I mean, to nobody died. Research. But that's really cool to think, Julia Childs. So all I ever know is the interesting. She's a lady. But spy spy stories are fun, Melissa. So thank you for. No, you're Digging welcome. This is actually kind of quick here. We didn't even need to That's do okay. a little break. If you guys have anything you want us to talk about, or if you know more about the Somerton Mystery Man, we'd love to hear from you. And um, we'll come up with some more stories. And if you've ever and... read the Rubiot and it felt like you needed to go, you know, to the beach and lay down and take a long <laughs> nap, let us know what was in that book that made you think that way. Uh, yes, if there's a mystery to the Rubyot. to do with the Rubyot. That's right. It might so. crack that code. And it's such random. That code, we'll put pictures on there. And I don't know how old he was when he died, but the pictures of the man, like he was a very sharp, sharp looking dude. Huh. Young guy. And then if he had a suit. Yeah, a suit and tie. It was, hmm. Sounds very interesting. So, but I would like to believe they were spies because that's the cooler part of the story. Yeah. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to we it. We don't know the answer, so <laughs> we can just and come I'm, up with what we think. And that, that's part of the unsolved and the and the you know the mysteries that we don't have the answers to because we can speculate and we can guess about what happens. Right. And it's not just so black and white, cut and dry. So that's all I have on it for right now. Um, hopefully, soon we'll get some more information. Um, other than what the ABC News Australia has just reported that they. I dug it up so well thanks Hopefully for to be able to test something yeah. soon well thanks for joining us and um we'll have that information yep, on, on the facebook page and always you can email us at oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com same facebook group um anything anything just send it to us we love to read fan letters and emails about where you're from and your stories and just remember If you do the crime, it'll catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.